0: time now for Rocky Jordan.
1: It was a hot afternoon in Cairo when she walked into the cafe tambourine. She was beautiful, but there was something else. Something so wrong with the picture that I couldn't take my eyes off her. It wasn't the blonde hair piled on top of her head or the dress that clung to her like a football player covering a fumble nor even the set expression on her face. But when she stopped in front of me, I knew what it was. She was all woman, but not an inch under six feet four.
0: Again, we bring you a story of adventure with a man named Rocky Jordan. Proprietor of the Café Tambourine in Cairo. Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern life unfolds against the backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, The Bartered Bridegroom.
1: We've had a pretty fair assortment of customers in the tambourine, almost anything on feet. But when I looked up into that icy-faced six-feet-four blonde female, I knew we had our first Amazon.
2: You're ready, Mr. Jordan?
1: Uh, ready?
2: You're wasting time, Jordan? I didn't catch the name. Lily Karoff. You're being rude.
1: My face is familiar. Maybe we met in Istanbul.
2: No, Jordan. Alexandria, maybe? The arrangements are made. You're stalling.
1: Look, uh, suppose we take it from the top of the page, Miss Carol.
2: Naturally, you're interested in the money. This, too, has been taken care of. Now about the ceremony. Ceremony? The wedding. Be there in an hour.
1: Oh, sure. I'll be there in plenty of time. I'm a great believer in weddings. Oh, by the way, uh,
2: who's getting married? I am, Mr. Jordan. To you.
1: Um, maybe we'd better go into my office.
2: That will not be necessary. Timmy Rogers has made all the arrangements.
1: Timmy Rogers? Now I know we'd better go into the office. She sat across the desk from me and lit a king-sized cigarette. The hand that held the match wore a queen-sized diamond. It sent a reflection against the wall. I didn't like the way the reflection quivered. Her face was under control, but her hands gave her away. She was a nervous bride.
2: Timmy should have explained these details.
1: If I know Timmy Rogers, he doesn't bother with
2: details. That's unfortunate. Nevertheless, in one hour, you and I shall be married. You will receive $5,000, is that clear? Oh, very. It is not enough money. Oh,
1: that's not entirely it, Miss Karoff, having never been married before. You're
2: being rude again. I plan to leave, Cairo, immediately after the ceremony. Really? Tell me,
1: Miss Karoff, um, where are we going on our honeymoon?
2: Enough, Jordan. I will not be insulted further. You will receive the $5,000 as soon as I have sold my interest in the club Fashad.
1: Fashad? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I remember you and Mike Sloan bought that together recently.
2: Yes, but I am selling my interest.
1: Is the matter of business falling off? Mm,
2: no, not business. You see, I'm a white Russian. Certain of my friends have been disappearing lately. I do not wish the same thing to happen to me. I see. But this is not what I came to talk about. Now, the wedding... Look, Look
1: was... Lily, I've got news for you. I'm not in the mood for marriage.
2: Your moods do not interest me, Jordan? You are going to marry me.
1: Hmm. Well, I'll admit you're more persuasive with a gun.
2: You will not refuse me.
1: Maybe it didn't occur to you, Lil, but you can't marry a dead man. Ah, come on, put the gun
2: away. There are many other ways to make certain you do not back out. Jordan, be at my club in one hour. It means your life. <laughs>
1: She moved out of the office as silently as an Arab folding his tent. I followed her out in time to see her climb into a black sedan two feet shorter than the Queen Mary. It faded off into the crowded street. I stood there trying to figure out where I could rent a tux cheap when a hand thumped against my back. I turned to see a watered-down version of Tyrone Power, all of five feet five in his elevated shoes. It was none other than the little fixer himself, Timmy
3: Rogers. Timmy Rogers. Rocky, old kid. I just saw her leaving. Congratulations, kid. This makes my day complete. I'm so happy for you, kid. You'll make a lovely bridegroom. Slow down, kid. You're drooling on my wedding suit. (laughs) What a woman. You're a picker, Jordan, if I ever saw one. Aren't you forgetting one little item? You picked her, not me. A mere formality. Greatest girl this side of Minsk.
1: Well, at least the biggest.
3: But rock, kid, for $2,000, how can you miss?
1: It's even less interesting for $2,000.
3: Huh? How's that, Rock?
1: Lily offered me five.
3: Well, what do you know? She really must be scared.
1: Okay, suppose you give me the straight story.
3: Well, Rock... Uh, well, well, I'll tell I'm you. Still I... listening. Well, look, why don't you and I go into the bar for a drink, Rock, and I'll tell you all about it.
1: I followed the little man into the bar. We pulled up on a couple of empty stools by the open front door. Timmy Rogers rubbed his hands, licked his lips, and ordered a double orange blossom.
3: Ah, orange blossom for a wedding day, huh, Rock? Ah. Now, where was I?
1: You and Lily Caro, remember?
3: Yeah. Well, sir, Rock, it's like this. Lil has a few roulette wheels out in the back room of her joint, as you know. Hmm. The other night I ran into as tough a streak of luck as has been seen in Cairo since Happy Harper was picked up for trying to sell some tourists, the Sphinx. How much? Uh, how much? Uh, how much? Uh, well, I, uh... I dropped $5,000, which it just so happens I couldn't cover at the bank.
1: Mm-hmm. So then came Lily.
3: Yeah. Lily made me a proposition. She'll forget the 5000 if I marry her. Sure. But it turns out she's looking for an American. She wants a ticket to the USA.
1: Oh, that pitch, huh? Well,
3: can't say that I blame her, Rock. Things can get pretty rough around Cairo for the wrong... Hey, guy. hold it. Huh?
1: That guy's been staring at me too long. Standing there in the open doorway was a brown suit full of balloon-shaped Egyptians. His eyes didn't leave my face as he hooked his cane over one arm and smoothed his white gloves with his hand. He tipped the brown bowler on his fat head and waddled toward me. You are Mr. Aki Jordan? Yeah. I am Ahmoud Pasha. My card. Hmm. Well, what's on your mind? I will not waste time, Mr. Jordan, regarding your coming marriage to Miss Lily Karoff. Oh, I suppose you're the bride's father. Indeed, I am not. My affection for Miss Karoff is not paternal. I have come to offer you $10,000 if you do not go through with this wedding. Ten? Well, it's the best offer I've had all day. In cash, Mr. Jordan. If it makes you feel any better, Pasha, you can forget... (laughs) I hit the floor fast. Over my head, the big mirror behind the bar shattered and rained glass. When the rain stopped, I jumped up and raced for the door. Outside, there was a dent in the usual late afternoon traffic, and down the street, shot a black sedan. It was the same car Lily Karoff had stepped into 15 minutes ago. Well, that gave me something to think about as I walked back into my cafe to survey the damage. The man in the brown bowler had vanished. Underneath the table, his broken cocktail glass in his hand, was Timmy Rogers. I helped him to his feet. All right, little man, fit that into your patch story.
3: I had nothing to do with it, Rocky, so help me. you
1: will have to do better than that.
3: Rock, listen, I didn't know Lily would go that far.
1: Wasn't Lily. She may be in a hurry for a wedding, but she doesn't want to marry a corpse.
3: Well, maybe she was only trying to scare you, Rock.
1: Could be, but I don't like her idea of a wedding invitation. Come on, let's go. What
3: are you going to do, Rocky? I'm
1: going to pay my respects to the bride. Oh. It started with an Amazon looking for a husband and then a two-bit gambler with a sense of humor. Then in comes a fat man and a brown bowler who wants to pay for no wedding at all. <laughs> Rocky Jordan, bartered bridegroom. I shoved Timmy Rogers into a cab and hopped in behind him. I gave the cabbie the address, Club Fashad. Ten minutes later, we pulled up in front of a big streamlined white building. I paid the driver and we got out sign on the door said not open until 7 o'clock.
2: Hmm.
1: Sometimes you can't believe in signs. Coming down the corridor was a slim, tuxed character named Mike Sloan, manager and co-owner of the club for shot. A nasty smile cracked his face. Oh, I'd seen Sloan kicking around Cairo before, and I didn't like him. I like him even less now.
0: Well, Rocky
1: Jordan... Congratulations. Listen, Sloan, I didn't come here for it. Oh, now,
4: don't bother to explain, Jordan. I understand. You uh, got our wedding invitation? Oh, sure. The bride wore a 38. Uh, Lily is sometimes a little impulsive, Jordan. After all, no one was hurt. But you'll get a bill for that mirror. We're ready for the wedding. You're wasting time.
1: It's off, Sloan. Couldn't find the right size wedding cake.
4: Rogers, what about that? I thought Jordan was all lined up.
3: I, I did my best, Mike. not fight. backing
4: I... out of it now, Jordan. Let's go. The bride's waiting. Pack her in ice. She'll keep. I'm out of it. Too easy, Jordan. Not a chance.
1: Just watch me.
3: Rocky, listen. You're making a mistake.
1: You sure are, Jordan. Oh, I see. It's going to be one of those uh, shotgun affairs, huh? Well, I wouldn't want to have to kill you. This way, Jordan. The gun in Mike Sloan's hand didn't move. It buried itself into the middle of my spine. Timmy Rogers wrung his hands and trailed along behind us. Sloan walked me down a thick carpeted corridor and we turned left into the main office of the club for The blinds were drawn. Sloan slammed the door behind us. Coming toward me from the other side of the room was Lily Karoff with gold earrings swinging like pendants. She was poured into a glaring red dress that revealed an awful lot of the new look.
2: Well, Jordan, I see you couldn't pass up The money.
1: Tell your boy Sloan to get the gun out of my back and I'll show you how fast I can pass it up.
2: Mike, is
4: everything prepared? Ready and waiting, Lily. In fact...
1: Lily, my flower. Lily, what's happening? It was the balloon-shaped Egyptian in the brown bowler. His cane still draped gracefully over one arm. As he paddled toward us, his mouth fell open. Inside was a small fortune in gold fillings.
0: What are they doing to you, my delicate Lily?
2: Ahmed, please leave at once. I do not need your help.
1: But, my Lily, I'm here to protect you. These men, they are making a fool of you. Do not believe
4: Get me. Get out of here, Pasha. This is out of your range.
1: Please, Lily, my Blossom, I beg you to see reason.
5: These men, they only mean to do you harm. Like... The, the lights. Light, light. Where are the light? Help!
1: The room pool of black ink. I died for the spot where Sloan had stood with the gun. I felt hot air on my neck and turned.
5: Oof.
1: The carpet came up and made a fuzzy pillow for my cheek as everything folded into a nightmare of spinning rooms. And somewhere off in the distance, I, I heard the toll of wedding bells.
0: Tonight's story continues in just a moment. We're sure you listeners, many of whom have written letters to CBS, are happy to know that Rocky Jordan is back on the air. Yes, Rocky Jordan joins one of the most outstanding mystery lineups in radio. Over your CBS station every Sunday night, you'll hear not only Rocky Jordan, but Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's great private eye, and The Whistler, one of the most popular shows on the air. Remember, this half hour, each Sunday evening, will be the time for Rocky Jordan. Now, back to tonight's story, The Bartered Bridegroom.
1: It was still the office of Lily Karoff. I opened my eyes into a stream of water cascading down my nose. It was coming from a big white pitcher. Holding the picture was Sam Sabaya, captain,
5: Cairo Police. Well, well Jordan. You know, Jordan, on you, this carpet looks very good. I wish I could
1: say the same thing for my head.
5: Oh, what happened, Sam? Nothing unusual for you, Jordan. Only murder. Look, beside you. Really? Miss Lily Karoff, quite dead. Like a model for a detective magazine cover. Only she is not posing, Jordan. Okay, Sam. Am I booked?
1: Not yet, Jordan. Not yet. The dialogue wasn't exactly sparkling on the way to the Cairo jail. Sam confined himself to a few official grunts, and I sat back and watched traffic. In ten minutes, we pulled up to a sand-colored building and Sabaya and I got out. I followed Sam to a small back room. He closed the door and pulled up a couple of chairs.
5: Uh, uh, Coffee, Jordan? Oh, I need more than coffee, Sam. Uh, But we serve only coffee here. Sorry. Now, please uh, tell me everything. Beginning when? The police received an anonymous phone call to come to the club Fashad at once. I arrived to find the body of Lily Karoff shot to death. The gun that apparently killed her was in your hand. Oh, you tell it much better, Sam. Go ahead, go ahead. Never mind, Jordan. I'm waiting for your story. All right, I'll make
1: it brief. Lily came by my office this afternoon with the idea of marrying me. She said something about wanting to leave the country. Leave the country? She's a white Russian, Sam. Mm -hmm. Said certain friends of hers had been disappearing lately.
5: Hey, underground stuff, maybe, huh? Uh, Yeah. Underground, of course. Very likely. Well, that's what the lady said, Sam. The lady deceived you, Jordan. I will show you. Now, here we are. A complete report on any and all underground activities in Cairo in the past year. Look, not one case of unexplained uh, disappearance, as you call it. Well, uh, Sam, a good job wouldn't leave a case history for the police. Jordan, I'm afraid you have been taken in by this fantastic story. Hmm. Live and learn. Well, anyway, after Lily,
1: my next caller was Timmy Rogers. He's a small-time gambler. He gave Lily the idea about marrying me. Mm -hmm. Go on. Then a short, fat man in a brown bowler shows up. Lily's stage door Johnny. He tries to buy me out of the marriage. Mm. Jordan, I'm trying very hard to believe you. So then, Mike Sloan, one of Lily's boys, shot up my place just so I wouldn't forget. It's my wedding day. All right, I went to Lily's to set everybody straight, and that's where you found me. Jordan, what about this man in the brown bowler? His name is... uh, Ahmud Pasha. You got anything on him, Sam?
5: <laughs> Certainly, Jordan. Ahmud Pasha happens to be one of the richest men in Cairo. Yeah, but... And the most respected. He is a business broker of high reputation. He buys and sells business enterprises.
1: Like uh, nightclubs? And
5: why not? Uh, Jordan, you are beginning to waste my time. Um... It is not likely that you kill Dilly and then struck yourself on the head. Therefore, I shall release you with the usual warning. Jordan, do oh, not... Oh, not
1: again, Sam. I've heard that speech before. No, I'm not leaving Cairo. I like it here. I strolled out of Sam's office and onto the busy street. The neon signs were beginning to light up, which reminded me that the night crowd would be moving into the cafe tambourine. But there was one little matter that came before business, murder. I was only a block away from the station when a small character stepped out of a darkened doorway.
3: Well, 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 Rock, old kid, I've been looking all over for you. Why
1: don't you try the other side of town?
3: Listen, Rock, I didn't know it would turn out this way. I just read the extra about Lily. Look, Rock, you got to believe me. I ran out of Lily's place the minute the lights went out. I didn't know about it till later.
1: Sam Sabaya might like to hear that story.
3: Look, Rock, I saw something in that room. You know who turned out those lights? Sloan did it. I saw him.
1: It's not news, little man. But Mike Sloan has some answers, and that's the man I'm going to see.
3: But, Rock, he wouldn't be hanging around the façade. Maybe we ought to go back to your place and uh, uh, get a drink first, huh?
1: Hey, maybe you're right for once in your life. You give me an idea. (laughs) Timmy Rogers and I headed back to the Café Tambourine. At every corner, Timmy looked four ways before crossing the street. It was exactly 7.30 when we walked in the front door. I worked my way through the crowded tables toward my office. Timmy Rogers hung on my coattail like a scared kid at a bargain counter. I opened the door. Just as the books were beginning to balance, I knew I had to throw them all out of the window. Sitting behind my desk was the man I was looking for, Mike Sloan. He was dead. Three holes neatly punctured the starched white shirt front of his tuxedo. Rocky, is he dead? Shut the door.
3: Rock, what's that? It's
1: a calling card. Sloan had it crumpled in his hand.
3: Gee, Rock, let me see it. And
1: not so fast. Here.
3: What? There's nothing on it. Just a dirty orange spot.
1: Try turning it over, Timmy. Makes more sense that way.
3: Rock, it says Akhmut Pasha.
1: You guessed it. It's his calling card.
3: Then, then that means Akhmut Pasha left it there?
1: Well, not likely. Maybe Sloan was trying to tell us something.
3: You're right, Rocky. Sure, sure. Akhmut Pasha was in love with Lily and she wouldn't have him. So when he couldn't stop the wedding, he killed her.
1: And Sloan saw him do it. It fits that way.
3: And Maybe it does, Rocky. What are you going to do now?
1: Find Ahmed Pasha.
3: Oh, I... I don't know, Rocky. The Pasha didn't strike me as that kind of a guy. Maybe we're jumping to conclusions, Rocky, huh? Uh, Maybe not. Well, I don't know. That isn't much proof. Ahmed Pasha just doesn't look like the kind of person who would commit murder. Are you going to call Sabaya?
1: Yeah, later. There's one other call I'm going to make first. Where's that, Rock? The card says Office Number 17 Kadru Street.
3: Pretty late for calling at Pasha's office, isn't it, Rocky? Just a hunch, that's all. Uh, coming with me? Yeah, well, okay, Rocky, I guess so.
1: We ducked out the alley door. Down the street, we hailed a taxi and gave him the Pasha's address. As we weaved through the night traffic, wheels in my head ticked along with a cab meter. Everything added up like a traveling salesman's expense account. It fit now. I wouldn't be throwing any more books out of the window. There was a light in the office front as the cab pulled over to the curb.
2: What is it, please?
1: I'm looking for Ahmed Pasha. Is he here?
2: It's rather late. No, no, he's not in.
1: Do you mind if we step inside?
2: Very well. You are also from the police? Rocky, maybe we better no, get No, uh, not
1: exactly, sweetheart. Ahmed Pasha left a calling card at my place. I'm returning the call.
2: Then you are not the police?
1: No. When were the uh, the police here?
2: A while ago. I don't remember. Please, Ahmed Pasha is not here. I cannot help you. I have not seen him all afternoon.
1: Oh, just calm down. We'll make this short.
2: Please don't ask me any more questions. It is time to close the office. I must go home.
1: One thing more. Any idea where we could find him?
2: Perhaps at his hotel, that is all I know.
1: Oh, yeah, the, uh, the partner.
2: No, no, the Hotel shepherd, room 614.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, that's it. Uh, uh, sorry to bother you. I watched the girl bolt the door behind us and pull the curtains. So Sam Sabaya paid his respects to the pasha after all. Didn't look like his luck was any better than mine. Timmy Rogers had something in his mind.
3: It's this way, Rock. The Pasha shows up in your cafe and I get shot at. Then he comes to the wedding and Lily gets killed. You know, Rock, I don't think I'm in a hurry to meet that Pasha again.
1: Uh, see what you mean.
3: Look, Rock, why not let Sabaya handle it? If you go up there to Ahmed Pasha's hotel, you don't know what might happen. Jimmy, I think you got something there.
1: Maybe it would be a nice idea to have Sabaya along.
3: Sure thing, Rock. That's playing it smart.
1: Oh, come on, we're wasting time. They're
3: not we, Rocky. If is checking on Ahmed Pasha, I'm next. I don't want any part of that police station. The last time I dropped in to see Sabaya, I stayed 30 days.
1: (laughs) All right, see you around, me.
3: Yeah, sure, Rock. See you around.
1: I found the nearest phone booth and dialed police headquarters. Sabaya was gone for the night. My next stop was the Cafe Tambourine. Nothing had turned up. Mike Sloan was still sitting behind the locked door to my office, and I left him there. That made it complete. There was only one item left on my list. Hotel Shepherd, room 614. The lobby of the Shepherd was teeming with a tourist trade. I strolled over to the main desk and waited for a pith-helmeted Englishman to collect his mail, then I moved in. Rocky! Rocky Jordan, I say. It's good to see you again. Where you been? Oh, usual places, Archie. Ah, what's on your mind, Rocky? Archie, you got a small favor. Oh, Rocky, the last wave you asked of me almost caused me my position here. Yeah? Oh, sorry to hear it. This one's going to be easy. Oh, yes? What is it? I want the key to room 614. Really? Oh, no, Oh, now, Rocky. Oh, there you go again. Oh, this is important, Archie. Oh, I I can't do it, Rocky. Sorry. I, I'd really be discharged doing a trick like that. Besides, that, that, that's Achmut Pasha's room. Don't you know that? Well, he's a permanent guest Look, here. Look, Archie, I said it was important. Oh, well, I, I, I'd like to, Rocky, but you know... Thanks, Archie. I knew you'd help me out. Archie's a real friend. He made like he didn't even know I'd slipped him the ten spot when he handed me the key. Being in Shepherds was like old home week. When the little numbers on the door said 614, I stopped. This was the end of the line. I put the key in the lock. I gave the doorknob a quick turn. Kick the door open and dive for the floor inside. When the shooting stopped, I reached back with my foot and kicked the door closed. In the thick darkness, I started crawling for the spot the shots had come from. I figured he wouldn't move, but I was wrong. I met him halfway. He didn't have time to shoot again. The lights came on, and in the doorway stood Ahmed Pasha. All cane and white gloves. The brown bowler resting neatly on his round head.
5: What well, what is the meaning of this?
1: Uh, I'd right on time for the shooting. Maybe you'd like to meet the man who murdered Lily Karoff. Ah, uh, take a look. Why? Why? That's he's... right. The little fixer himself, Timmy Rogers. <laughs>
0: Rocky Jordan will be back in just a moment. Now a note for you listeners. Remember, Rocky Jordan has joined one of the most outstanding mystery lineups in radio. Over your CBS station every Sunday night, you'll hear not only Rocky Jordan, but Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's great private eye, and The Whistler, one of the most popular shows on the air. Remember this same time each Sunday night for Rocky Jordan. Now for the ending of tonight's story.
1: It was after midnight before Sam Sabaya and I could settle down back in my office at the Café Tambourine. They had taken Sloane's body away, and as usual, Sam wanted details.
5: Now, Jordan, about the Pasha's calling card.
1: I found Sloane dead with a card in his hand. It was Ahmed Pasha's, all right, but on the back there was an orange spot. The Pasha's too neat a guy to be passing out soil calling cards. Besides, the color of the spot struck me. Where would you pick up an orange spot? I haven't the slightest idea. That's because you don't drink, Sam. Ever hear of a cocktail called an orange blossom? A real fancy thing made with orange sherbet and gin. What has this orange blossom to do with the calling card? Timmy Rogers was drinking one this afternoon when my bar got shut up. He must have picked up Pasha's card off the bar after the shooting. What he didn't notice was that a little of his own
5: drink had spilled on it. Then he deliberately left the card in Mike Sloan's hand after killing him. Sure.
1: Timmy had it all set for Ahmed Pasha. I made him think Pasha knew something. That's when he got scared. He waited for Pasha in his hotel room, and when I came in, well, you know the rest. He fired at a swinging door. So Timmy killed Lily and then Mike because Mike had seen him do it. Well, the whole scheme was simple, Sam. It was Timmy's idea to set up the phony white Russian scare. That was to get Lily out of town so he and Mike could take over a money-making nightclub. They were going to buy her out for almost nothing. And at the same time, Timmy could square the 5000 he owed the club.
5: It's a good scheme it was, too, Jordan. Except that Timmy Rogers lost his head and killed Lily when Akmoud Pasha threatened to expose them. Akhmud Pasha must have loved Lily very much, Jordan. Lily, his uh, little flower. Hmm? Uh, do not make fun of his love, Jordan. Love is a serious business.
1: I guess I wouldn't know, Sam. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't know.
0: Hockey Jordan is presented from Columbia Square in Hollywood and stars Jack Moyles in the title role. Tonight's story was written by Gomer Cool and William Froome, produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Milton Charles. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.